When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to episode 159. Woo! This has been hard. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Im. And I'm Christina Im. Well, today we have a action-packed, okay, maybe it's not action-packed, but <laughs> info-packed. Yeah. Yeah, info-packed. Interview. <laughs> I have speechless. No, literally, I was like, I was reflecting on the interview that we just had with Drake Farmer, and I was just reflecting on everything that we talked about, and literally lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Drake Farmer, we interviewed him on how to find hope in the hard seasons of life. Isn't this a wonderful and incredible topic and timely, considering that a lot of us have started back into school, uh, the summer is over, maybe we're just feeling the grind of life, and perhaps it just feels, the days feel a little bit darker, mm. not just... Like actual? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> but emotionally as yeah, well. That's right. So I love how, and you'll hear this in the interview, that Drake really tangibly explains what hope is, Yeah, because I don't know why I just think when I think of hope, the first image that comes to me is clouds. Yeah. I don't know what you think of, but clouds are not going to get me through a tough day or clouds are That's not going to awesome. get me through a tough year or a tough I th- season. I think the first image for me is one of those motivational posters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hope is... I don't know. And you see like a mountain goat <laughs> yeah, on a exa- mountain or yeah, something. Exactly. When <laughs> you when you climbing. finally <laughs> climb up the mountain, <laughs> right. you found hope. Right. Yeah. No, this this episode, man, if you are in a hard season of life, you are going to experience and find hope in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not going through a hard season of life, but you're a part of our podcast family and this is the next episode that came out and you're listening to this, you know what? You are going to you are going to learn so much about hope that makes it tangible mm-hmm. and is going to help you when you go through that next hard season. Right. I love uh, what Drake writes on the back of his book, Stuck, Trapped tired, burnt out. Is this how you feel? You know that God has called you to something better, yet you don't know how to get there. And on top of all of that, when you hear stories about life change, you wonder if your turn will ever come. I think we've all felt like that. You're hearing your neighbors are succeeding or you're hearing other uh, marriages that are thriving, other kids who are doing, you know, healthier than your kids, who are succeeding more than your kids. And you're thinking, uh, have I been forgotten? Mm-hmm. Now, we love Drake and his wife, Carmen. They're friends of us. I work together with Drake at Beulah Alliance Church, and we are just so excited that he is on our podcast and is talking about his book, Addicted to Hope, Seven Transformational Truths for the Weary, Defeated, and Just Plain Stuck. As a pastor and speaker, Drake DeLong Farmer is passionate about inviting people into the deeper life with God and creating spaces for people to wrestle with what they believe about themselves, God, and the world around them. His hope is that in some way through his words and work, he can inspire people to become full of love, fueled by faith, and addicted to hope. Drake currently serves on the leadership team at Beulah Alliance Church in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Growing up in a military family, he has moved a lot in his lifetime and has the privilege to travel across Canada and Europe, but he is most at home when he spends time with his wife and four kids. You're going to love this episode, so without further ado, let's listen in. Well, Drake, it's so great to have you on our podcast today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm uh, me and my wife are actually longtime listeners, but I guess this will be first time caller. Oh, love it, <laughs> love it. Okay, so like we shared in the introduction, you recently wrote a book called "Addicted to Hope: mm-hmm. Seven Transformational Truths for the Weary, Defeated, and Just Plain Stuck." So, Drake, 
let's start with hope. Why write a book on hope? Well, I mean, that's a funny story because, I mean, I never really set out to write a book per se. So mm. um, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a circular communicator, a little bit of ADHD in there. And so I, originally I started wanting to write to become grow my communication and become more of a bit of a, of a linear speaker and writing kind of forces you to kind of, to kind of bring that down. And so I was like, well, yeah. what, what, you know, like what do I want to start writing on? And at the time, cause this was years ago and there's a, you know, in journey of how things as life goes, you start something mm. and you run into bumps and roadblocks and things like that, that I didn't find that there was a lot of stuff really being written on hope at the time. Now it's like, it's insane. The amount of yeah. stuff. <laughs> understandably. And so I kind of, I well, kind of we, went well, on the, we need it. Yeah. And we a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's yeah. been really cool to be able to, you know, even as long as it took, even some of colleagues that have been writing, being able to interact with their stuff and, and, and quote um, them, it's been really cool. But yeah, so that was kind of the, the, the thing. And then as it evolved, like I wasn't sure what it would turn into. And I, I was, I was thinking, well, maybe I can, you know, I don't know what it would turn into. Maybe it'll be a devotional you know, take 30 passages, things like that. And as I started unpacking the topic, uh, I started forming into full fledged chapters. And I realized really, really quickly um, that I'm not going to do this topic justice, you know, in one book. Uh, I have no plans to write multiple books. <laughs> <laughs> but Sorry, I read, podcast family, yeah. no version two. <laughs> but but one uh, fellow author put it this way, and you know, it's saying that this is a, a like a catalyzing book. It's really to kind of like take these these seven kind of ideas and truths about hope, and really like start unpacking them, and then and giving resources and and opportunities to be able to think full application. How do you walk this out? How do you how do you, how do you do this well? And then where, where can you go to dig more into these ideas? Because pretty much every one of these chapters probably could have turned into a book. Um, but they, yeah, they, right. they build on each other and they, they, but they needed to kind of be said and hopefully to inspire and catalyze people to dig deeper where they might need to, when it comes to that, that need for hope. Yeah. Wow. That's true. Um, addicted to hope, full of love and new hope, you know, uh, throwback to star wars right a new hope right there uh words kill anchored sore fueled by faith uh, what would you say was um your hardest chapter to write i think looking at the hardest one probably to really dive down would have been sore hope for the attic mm. i mean i started mm. that chapter really um talking about you know it's easy to think, you know, what are the, what are the obvious things, you know, addiction, you know, pornography, you know, when it comes to um, drugs and alcohol, you know, eating, mm -hmm. those type of things, but that we're all addicted, you know, to something, be it like performance, the hustle culture, thinking about, you know, your book, mm -hmm. Daniel. And it really was trying to like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, a recovered porn addict myself and that's a big part. Like I don't, I, it isn't until later in the book that I actually name that. Um, but mm -hmm. that part of that journey and understanding, like it is, it is such a hard thing to be able to unpack the amount of nuance that God yeah. places in somebody's life um, and the journey that they go on and all the pieces of untangling the cycle of guilt and shame and bringing mm -hmm. that down towards freedom and intimacy. And really was incredible. It's like, it's freedom of obviously of the negative, but the intimacy with God intimacy with others, be it your spouse, your kids, your extended family, when you're released from these things that have, that have causing these negative cycles, it's amazing how they open doors. And then that, that positive cycle of, of freedom and intimacy then perpetuates itself. Intimacy with God and others leads to more freedom, freedom leads to more intimacy. Um, and so, uh, it, and, and it's a big part for me in that journey mm -hmm. of unpacking some of that stuff. So a lot of it too, was even just trying to unpack and think well how much do i actually how much do i actually put on the page of my own journey right, right? where you're not yeah. you're not you're not boxing this topic into one addiction and and really the yeah. you know as much as it's called addicted to hope it's not about not just about addictions but it's about what are mm -hmm. the things that drive and pull us and that whole thesis of well what if what if we were addicted to hope like a person looking for their next fix that drives them mm -hmm. towards yeah, something else. Yeah. So that one took a lot of 
it, it was hard to keep it in a chapter. <laughs> a lot yeah. of edits and rewrites <laughs> yeah, because nice. it's like, my goodness, yeah. like, I mean, I quote Rob Reimer from who wrote Soul Care and some of it's mm-hmm. like, you know, he did it better. Go read his book type of type of comment <laughs> in it too, right? Because it's like, man, like, how do you, how do you unpack some of that stuff that, that healing journey towards the negative to the positive. So yeah, there was a little bit of that. Yeah. For our podcast audience who's uh, our podcast family, who's listening sometimes when we say hope, I don't know about you, but it seems a little bit like in the air. You can't really catch Mm -hmm. it or really understand it. You had talked about, you know, freedom and intimacy, but we would love to hear your definition of hope and how you see it even outplaying in your life today. Yeah. So um, I say this in the book, you know, that hope is elusive. It always seems out of reach. Um, mm. And so, but hope is also something it's, it's almost, an, it's almost in design that hope is meant to always be out of reach because it continues to propel you forward. It continues to, to, mm. to, for the, you know, the person looking to, to invent something, to, to, to do something better for their life, to think for their own, their next generation, to the person that wants to, to, to you know, to solve whatever the big world problem is and things like that. There is this sense of a, of a brighter future. Um, but that's a very broad sense of what we talk about hope. But then there's something deeper in this sense Mm -hmm. of divine hope, something that anchored to Jesus. Um, but to take a step back on that a little bit, like one of the stories I share, you know, talk about this, uh, when I was in kindergarten and we had this craft, and um, we we took this jar and we got to decorate it and and at the end it was last day of kindergarten and we take this jar and we would go outside and the idea was we were going to capture sunlight into a jar, you know. And as, so as a six year old, just like thrusting it up in the air and yeah, closing the jar really quickly, you know. And you're thinking and what was and I don't say this in the book and what's hilarious is that you know I didn't put the plaster on the bottom of the jar so there's actually glass in the bottom so even if you could you know, capture sunlight in a jar, it would have, it would have leaked out. But, you know, <laughs> and I remember as a kid, like holding it and going, I didn't dare open it up. Right. Because I was like, well, mm. what if I open it and I lose that sunlight, you know? And so mm. a, a big, a big tension in this book too, is the hope is for us. Right. You know, and there is this, this life transforming, you know, divine hope found in Jesus um, that transforms um, but also that hope is something isn't supposed to be bottled up and kept and, you know, like is, is something that we, we hold for ourselves, but it's something as, mm-hmm. as we um, thinking about, you know, Jesus with, you know, the woman at the well, right. Says about that. She, that's, that's bubbles up and it spills over. So that hope mm-hmm. that we find in Jesus, like the living water, you know, and that her life, she's addicted to something. There's this negative cycle in her life. She meets Jesus, her life is turned upside down, rewrites her whole story, and then she finds this hope, and then mm. all she can do is share it. And then you can imagine what the rest of the story of that village is, you know, after that. And I mean, we're talking her life, we're talking about her 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 decisions with these men. We're also talking about she's in Samaria, and there's this whole cultural generational intermarrying between this the Israelite nation and the in the Gentiles and they were half breeds and he's redeeming not just her through this act but the whole town and the nation in this small mm. thing taking a moment to talk about you know living water yeah drake you said something earlier that hope is elusive mm-hmm. and that by nature it it because you can't really grasp onto it, it propels you forward. Mm. And that really s- struck me because today's episode is all about how to find hope in the hard seasons of life. Mm-hmm. And I think when we reflect on the hard seasons, that really is inevitable, right? It's not that we all just go through one, but over it's just part of living. There's just hard seasons yep. that we all continue to go through hopefully life isn't just one hard season um but as we think about that and and it's not necessarily a hard season that you try to escape from or a hard season that you try to bottle up you really you really have to you really have to walk through it Mm -hmm. so how does hope what role does hope play in those hard seasons yeah um i mean i could i mean that's a big portion of the book 
um, and to unpacking this idea of hope in the midst of hopelessness, um, a couple things that come to mind. I mean, one is, <clears throat> yeah, how do you, f- what, what, like, what is a reaction of, of, of clinging to hope in a midst of hopelessness is you need hope even mm. more, right? Mm. That's when yeah. you, that's when mm. hope really does its best work, right? Mm. God can do his best work in those seasons. And I think, you know, when we think about, um, and Hebrews says that hope is an anchor. And then he gives this imagery, the an- and that sudden the, the author goes, and that anchor went behind the curtain and, you know, and redeemed all of creation. So obviously the anchor is Jesus. And mm-hmm. there's this cosmic thing happening behind the history of humanity. And and there is this cosmic, you know, global thing, mm-hmm. but it's also for the individual. And I think where does an anchor do its best work? It does it under the raging waters. Right. You don't get to see mm-hmm. those things. And it's and it's interesting that, you know, the 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 author of Hebrews doesn't say hope is a helicopter, right? You're in a mm-hmm. boat and it's gonna take you out of the situation, but hope is an anchor. Um, mm-hmm. but even to take that, you know, a step further is, you know, like there there are these passages um that that really lean into this idea of what the purpose is of trials, right? I mean, the famous, you know, Psalms 23, and you mentioned, it's like, you know, it's talking about going through the valleys. It's not that if we'll go through the valleys, it's when, and it's Mm -hmm. recognizing God's goodness and faithful love. It it says Mm -hmm. later in Psalms 23, knowing those things are, it isn't just at the end of the valley that those things happen. So one of the stories I share is um, thinking of that imagery um, is um, you know, I'm in, in, I grew up in a military family and so we got to travel around the world. And so mm-hmm. in one, in one season of our life, I lived in Germany, um, and we lived right beside the black forest and, you know, you know, yes, what the, the desserts yeah. named after, <laughs> but, <laughs> but this, this forest, I mean, spans hundreds of kilometers, you know, on the West side of, of Germany beside, you know, the French, French border, um, and mm. I mean, like hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of forest, like, just, you know, how easy it is as an, as an eight-year-old kid, you had so much excitement to go explore, but you always stayed close by. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I was walking with my dad and we'd gone farther than we'd ever gone before and the sun's going down. And all of a sudden we think to ourselves like, oh, we're like, where are we? I think we're lost. You know, and I'm thinking of it as an eight year old in that moment, like this is it, like life is over, like this, I'm gonna be no water, I'm, no snacks, no what water, no do? snacks. I'm done. I'm gonna go live with the wolves. I'm gonna turn into Tarzan. You know, but my dad, like, and I'm even freaking out a little bit. And he's like, you know, well, the sun's setting over here, so this is east and this is west, and this is the way to home. And mm. you know, and I don't know to this day if like my dad actually knew what he was doing and if he was just, or if he was just like. Brave was, face. <laughs> or he's yeah, brave face for his eight-year-old kid, but we got home and but I was never nervous in that because I was with my father. And when you take mm-hmm. that imagery of Psalm 23 and the good shepherd and, and the father, it's the same concept. Our hope isn't anchored in our circumstances. Our hope isn't found in the releasing or the helicoptering or that or what's going on. Our hope is in the anchor, it's in the shepherd, it's hope is the person, right? So our hope is divine and powerful because of who we're with and who it's attached to. And that's Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so it's, it's, it's knowing those things. But another thing that I allude to, but I don't, I don't explicitly say this, but we talk okay. in these different passages, the difference between burdens and trials. Right. And mm-hmm. so we, mm-hmm. um, you know, talks Matthew 21 verses 28 to 30 says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, you know, take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart. And I will find rest in your souls for my yoke is easy mm. and burden is light. Or I love how the message put it. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Yeah. Watch how I do mm. it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay in anything heavy or I'll fit it on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I mean, you mm-hmm. read that passage, you go, oh my goodness, that's what I need in my life. Right, yeah. exactly. But James 1, 
verses two to five says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know Mm -hmm. that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish his work. So you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Mm. So Mm -hmm. the question being, we're not supposed to carry burdens and Jesus has a light yoke for us and he wants to teach us unforced rhythms. And how do we take those unforced rhythms through the valleys and through the trials which is what we're not supposed to be rescued from because mm-hmm. they're the very thing that form us into the people that can solve the trial, right? There's a great quote from yeah. a friend of mine. It's like, maybe the answer to your prayer is God forming you into the person who can answer that prayer, right? Mm-hmm. And so the discernment is knowing, yeah. is this a burden or is this a trial? But hope because of who you're anchored to and who is leading you, that's the power of divine hope, not this motivational poster on a wall or a great bumper sticker that, you know, gets you out of bed type of thing. That's okay. So that's, I've never really thought of hope in that way. And I'm reminded of this story that you shared with your dad, how he, in a sense, in that moment, he was your hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a bit more tangible, like hope feels more tangible. Yeah. Uh, in that situation, in that setting. But when we look at our lives, yeah, you know what? Sometimes hope is getting into that program. Hope Mm -hmm. is um, my next paycheck so that I can get these creditors off my back, Mm -hmm. right? Hope is getting food on the table, right? Mm -hmm. Hope is um, you know, wishing that the gas prices would go down. And it's, it's like we, we, as humans tend to place our hope in someone or something. Yes. And I, it's so interesting how you bring up the fact that Jesus is our hope and Jesus is our anchor and not a helicopter. Cause I think if all of us had our way hope, and I think this is how most of us think about hope. Hope is a helicopter mm-hmm. and, and we're looking for this rescue, right? Like your dad rescued you from this. Your dad, but if hope is more of an anchor than it is a helicopter, yep. wow, like that just yeah. that just transforms the way that I think about hope. Well, well but especially he- in the Psalms, when like David or whoever's writing that mm-hmm. would be rescue me, oh God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if we can think in those times, rescue me is, yeah, maybe we are asking, like, pull me out of the miry pit, but also like remind me, remind me that you are here. Yep. Give me rest as the storms are crashing and be the anchor. Yeah, mm. I think that's even just reading the scripture in that way yeah. is um yeah, is really powerful and applicable to the times when we we wish we could be rescued, but where we just are are still in the long suffering of life. Yeah. Well, and look at um I mean you mentioned even my father rescuing me, but if you take that I'm not whisked away from the situation. He's walking mm-hmm. with me and guiding me. The, wow. You know, the, the sh- when we go through the valley, we're not we're not whisked away from the valley, but the shepherd is there guiding mm-hmm. us, right? Yeah. And so there's that understanding. And I mean, you do that, you know, in horrible traumatic situations um, can be ministry and prayer and asking, where was Jesus in this situation? And even asking those questions and discerning mm-hmm. and listening, people come away with deep-rooted healing because in this traumatic situation, as much as, God's heart breaks when those injustice happen. We talk about that in the book as well. Um, But, but they're there as well and breaking with, and he carries all of our burdens by his stripes. We are healed. But even like thinking about the storm and the helicopter, like two examples as you're chatting that come to mind is one is, um, you know, the disciples are in a boat and a storm's going, where's Jesus? sleeping mm-hmm. <laughs> right because he has he has such a higher perspective yeah. of what's going on or even okay it's jesus that's a like that's it's kind of a hard thing to live up to fair totally yeah <laughs> he's probably wearing a keep common care <laughs> <or something like. laughs> but okay but let's take let's take paul right he's he's in shackles and he says these things have done to me because mm-hmm. he had a higher perspective mm-hmm. or he's in jail and what does he do he starts singing hymns and psalms Right. And yeah. thinking about that bottling that hope, when when the angel comes and the jail doors are open up, the jailer's about to take his life, he's like, don't know, we're still here. And he immediately, immediately goes, 
I need what you have. Yeah. Mm. Like, oh, this is a, like, this isn't like, like he was observing his jailer must have seen so many people on death row and these type of things with right. hopelessness. Yeah, and this, right. and Paul's and his, in, I don't know if it was Barnabas or Silas, I don't remember who was with him. Um, you know, they, they, they're not, they're not rattled by the circumstances because yeah. their hope yeah. is grounded in something yeah. deeper than their circumstances, which heightens towards that. Yeah, and their hope is not in escaping yes. because the jail door is opened and they right. stayed put. They didn't run. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co creator of Veggie Tales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Man, okay, so Drake, how about we do this? Because I know as I reflect on our podcast family, mm-hmm. everyone who's listening in, we have individuals and couples who are who are either experiencing this hard season right now. Yeah. And the topic of this podcast is what drew them in, right? It's mm-hmm. like finding hope in the hard seasons of life. And 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 you talked about how do you find hope in the midst of hopelessness. So I would love on, you know, let's start here. I would love for you to address those individuals in our podcast family who are feeling hopeless yeah. um, regarding their marriage, or maybe it's a child who mm-hmm. is just conflict after conflict and they can't mm-hmm. get on the same page with them or they haven't had communication with them for mm. two, what is what seems like too long. What would you say to them? And then after that question, let's go on to those who are like, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not really going through a hard season in life, but I've been through a lot and I know there's going to be more. So how do I kind of hope, not hope proof doesn't make sense because that like <laughs> means I don't want it, but you know, like how do you inject more hope? Like, can yeah. I, like, can you inject more hope and like, so I could carry that in and, and help me through that. So, so let's, let's go both um, directions, yeah. but why don't you first start by addressing those who feel hopeless uh, regarding their marriage or their kids? Yeah. So let me. That's a big topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but one of the things too, it's like, um, one, oh, yeah, okay. So, this, this might be helpful. One of the things I unpack in the book is understanding and what is our responsibility of action and what is God's, right? There are certain things mm. that we're called to do, and there are certain things that are not our responsibility and only God can do, right? Like, yeah, okay. Right. So, what, what, it, what are the supernatural components that I need to, give up to you know to jesus to do in my life and what are the mm-hmm. things that go well, i need to take ownership of these things right mm. and so even on the side of like okay so you mentioned you know taking the step to it in a 12-step program or maybe it's getting in community i mean a, a big reason why my journey in this book not only ends in hope and freedom and healing in my own life and even freedom from a you know a decades-long addiction i mean is that, like to be clear like i was a high functioning addict so I wasn't mm-hmm. actively looking at pornography, but there was this thing always attached. So I was a high functioning, mm. but there was there was more to life. While well, you needed to go through the hard work to dig down, what what are the root things? Because you can look at the you can look at the the symptoms yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. of right. life mm-hmm. and not get to the root. Well, that took vulnerability that took mm. you know being transparent that that look like admitting and owning that look like having hard conversations with my spouse that had getting in community people that we're going to walk mm-hmm. with and yeah. and and discern with me and those i mean we're we're not talking a quick fix right and mm-hmm. so when we talk about this and i mean and, and the beauty of intimacy and freedom this cycle is that there's always another layer. So we'll get to that later, right. but well, how do you f- hope proof? You know, how do you keep doing that? Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. I can give some examples of, of one person, okay. you know, discerning and things like that. But I would say with that in mind, um, is asking the question, like you, you, you need to want to 
you know, come to the table and do that. So mm-hmm. one, of, one of the notes I, you know, I put down is like marriage. So if we start with marriage as a topic, right? Mm-hmm. Marriage is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> right. Well, you, you have, well, you have, yeah, you have yeah. two messed up, broken, like sinners oh, I'm a, fall in. I'm offended. I'm offended. <laughs> you know, you're not talking about me. Like with, with what the heck, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to close my eyes so you don't feel like see, I'm judging you. <laughs> see, I'm French Canadian, so I just know that I have problems. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, but anyway, you come with all your baggage. Right. And those two people with all their baggage become one flesh. Like you're thinking, mm-hmm. if anybody came up with a plan and how marriage works, this is this does not make sense. Right. <laughs> like if you were to go on a whiteboard and go, what is the easy you know, path for us to put these? You know, like, no, that doesn't make sense. And the mm-hmm. work is now individually and together as a couple to yeah. open those suitcases mm. and. And figuring out what are what is what is Jesus calling you to deal with, and what is He asking you to do? Because it here's the thing: this imagery, it's, and and the, I take this from Rob Reimer, um, and his book Soul Care. But it's like, and I'm sure he's not the first person to use this analogy. But <laughs> you know, like how how can you receive good things if you've got nothing, like no room? Because your suitcase is full of junk, right? Baggage is an interesting right. term, right? It's this you know all baggage right. that we carry, but it's a very thing that we have all our stuff in. Well, we need to open it up mm. and deal with stuff hand those things over. And then as there's more room and margin, we can receive those good things. But if mm-hmm. we're never dealing wow. with the things under the surface, our margin is all mm-hmm. the way to the ceiling. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. you know what that reminds me of? It's like, you know, those soft sided bags mm-hmm. where you have different zippers, yep. different compartments. <laughs> and I know exactly. I'm, I pack main, like this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And you and you have like the main one yep. that opens up the entire thing. And it's almost like but you know, you got ones on the top where if you didn't have anything underneath, it would actually fit a lot and go mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you know, I love this illustration that you're 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 talking about here because it's almost like we go into relationships and we're like, "Well, I'm not willing to open up the main compartment." Even though it's kind of full, but look, I have a, mm. I have a zipper a and a compartment on top, <laughs> yeah, and on the side, and I have nothing in it. So, yeah, let's let's jam everything in there. And you're like, why isn't it going in? <laughs> it's empty. Like, why? Yeah. Is it, what's going on? Right? And then you start. Yeah. So I I love that, I love that image of the underneath the yeah. surface. Yeah. Well, and the thing is the reality. So if you are somebody who is thinking of getting married, you know, and those other things that start doing the work now of dealing with your baggage. If yeah. you are married in a relationship, it's now two imperfect people becoming one flesh who grow together, who yeah. go through yeah. trials and mature as a couple. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, like, are you going to figure that stuff out in your singlehood or are you going to do it as a couple? You know, and it's amazing. And here, here's you know, something I've, I've walking with couples and doing, you know, marriage coaching and different things like that. Um, you know, said when giving up is not an option, you know, it's amazing mm. what you can work through right now. Mm, right. Major caveat. Obviously there are, <laughs> there are situations, adultery, abuse, abandonment that, that you should still work through. And, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. what I'm saying, if you're in an abusive relationship, that's not the advice for you, right? Like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but if you're going through trial, you're going through a hard time, you're going, it feels like you guys are on the same page as miscommunication. Like it, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Well, here, I'll give you a, I'll give you a prime example. I, I don't write this in the book. Um, and I'll try and, I'll try and keep my French explicitives as low as possible. <laughs> but <laughs> like when we got, like I got married, I, I barely turned 20 years old. Hmm. Right. Like I had like I was open and honest with my wife, with my baggage. But man, did I have baggage. Right. And I in the first, I think, three years of marriage, I mean, I was a jerk. Like I just because I just, you know, like passionate and argumentative and not thinking about this other person. And why can't they think the way that I do? And and I spent some time in that first three years making my wife cry more than I. And I didn't like that. And I was like, I'm seeing her hurt and I'm going, okay, Jesus something needs to change in me. Right. Mm. And, Mm. and without that work in his, his work in my life, you know, and, and, and bringing those things to the surface ago, you know, any of these things. And, and now it's like, even if I'm the one 
who's being wronged, quote unquote. And I want to be, I want to be upset about like, oh, my wife did this. And it's like, Jesus is like, yeah, let's take stock yeah. of the situation here. Yeah. yeah, you did stuff too. Let's look at your track record, right? So having yeah. that discernment that, but also it was even, this is another interesting thing that happened where it was like, as I was working through my stuff, right? Working mm-hmm. through the, the anger things, the immaturity, you know, the, the whatever was going underneath the surface that was fueling these things and coming to that mm-hmm. and growing as a husband and eventually a father. We went through a season where it was like, it always felt like my wife was misstepping. She's like, I don't get why, like, why is this happening? And I was like, well, because, you know, over the first five years of our marriage, I took up all the bandwidth of being the jerk. Now it's your turn, right? Like, <laughs> That's our running joke in that. But there's some truth yeah. to that, right? Like, you've been tapped yeah. in now. Yeah. You've been tapped in now. It's your turn to yeah. define all your blemishes. Yeah. And we've shared that, but I have permission to share that yeah. as a joke. Yeah. 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 My, you know my wife. She's an awesome, lovely. Yes. Yeah. I, I married up Very tremendously, so. right? Yeah. Put that. Okay, so Drake, to give our podcast family um, maybe a little bit more like mm-hmm. tangibility in that. So you're talking about your situation with you and your wife, like first three years of marriage and mm-hmm. then going on with that. What would hope be in that situation? Would hope be the conviction of the Holy Spirit yes. that like, yep. hey, Drake, you have some stuff going on that you need to work with, uh, work on is hope. Um, the fact that y- y'all were willing to not give up on each other and work it through. Like where where would you pinpoint hope in, in those three for uh, those three years? Yeah. So, um, well, let me let me take it a little bit of scale back because you, you mentioned some mm-hmm. of the chapter titles or whatever, and this might be helpful to go. You know, there's there's seven chapters, but there's three main right. things that I wrestle with. It's and I mean, you've heard the verse in First Corinthians 13 about you know faith, hope, and love. I rearrange yeah. it a little bit, looking at the order of love, faith, and hope. So to be full of love, fueled by faith, and addicted to hope, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, yeah, we there's like your second and third book. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's all in the one book. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Nah. All right. Sorry. (laughs) You know, it's just like, yeah, I'd love hope in my life. Right. And, and, and even talking about this, like, but it all starts with this supernatural love, which love comes to earth. It's Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we need to trust in this to be full of love. So to be you know, like talking about the woman, you know, the woman at the well, that she overflows like a spring, right? Mm. With this supernatural love that transforms us. Then we get this theologically, but I mean, the, 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 the story I share, speaking of helicopters, the story I share, again, being a military kid, ending up in a military mm-hmm. most of my life. Um, as, as a high schooler, you know, I, I was in this videography program and there was in this, where the base was, there's two other communities. So it was like, they're going to take these three communities, put them together and be the tri-city. And then they, mm. to, to commemorate it, they actually had this walking path and people from one end, I mean, there's three different things and they span it over this walking path over these three communities. And so they were going to take, they wanted aerial shots of this. And so, and I mean, we're, and I mean, again, high school, it's like giant cameras that you need your, you know, like your shoulder hurts <laughs> yes. by the end no of it. Drones. Yeah. Right? No drones, no, no cell phones <laughs> on this. It's all analog. Right. But we're going to partner yeah. with the Canadian military and we're going to be flying in a Griffin helicopter. And you think about like, wow. this is one of those sliding doors that are open yeah. and got, you know, like wow. in those movies. Right. And so you're sitting in this yeah. chair strapped in and the idea would be you'd fly over these, this, this crowd and do a bunch of these aerial shots. They would tip the helicopter sideways so you're strapped in the seat holding this camera and oh you God. are facing straight down bird eye view to take oh, this wow. shot, right? And so as the the lead in the production on this, they were like, do you want to go in the helicopter? And I said, no. Like, <laughs> like my, my, yeah, I think I had more faith in gravity <laughs> than I did the five-point harness, right? And, <laughs> and I was just like, I wouldn't do it. And to this day, I regret that decision. What an experience mm, that would have been. And it would yeah. the second lead that went up and I just focus on editing. But when you think about this idea of being full of love, right, being being secure in mm-hmm. Jesus and his love and his mercy and his salvation, like, are you willing to trust that in yeah. the same way that you'd have to be willing to trust this five-point harness? I wasn't willing to put my trust in this five-point right. harness. And mm-hmm. so for a lot of people, it's the, if if you – you might need to go back to the basics and soak in this reality 
of Jesus' love and let him minister to you. Because when you think about even mm. broken relationships, right? So often mm. we want the other person to come. Well, yeah. we need, like, you you can't wait for their action. And a lot of times, all that does is through the supernatural love, because God loved me, not not that we, we were, while we were still sinners, God loved us, sent his only son. I mean, mm. I was thinking about this, John 3, 16, most quoted passage, you know, God so loved the world that he mm-hmm. gave his one and only son. Like, like that verse should blow our mind every single time we hear it. I heard mm-hmm. this comedian where it's like, Every time you're in a plane, you should be f- losing your mind because you're sitting in a seat 3,000 or 30,000 feet in the air should blow your mind. That verse should have the same impact, but it's so mm-hmm. familiarized. So you have to start with this. And then there's this idea of addicted to hope, which is interesting. So yeah, we loved theologically. Yes. Jesus love. Yes. Acceptance. Yes. Mercy. Yes. Salvation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Reconciliation. And we can get into that. I don't know who wouldn't want hope in their life. Right. So how does one move from being full of love? I mean, again, maybe you need to spend time there, but then to move to, well, how do I actualize hope in my life? Because it's one thing to be propelled. It's one thing to be elusive. It's one thing for it to move forward. But how do I actually actualize being addicted to hope in this foundation of love? Yeah. It's faith. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, and over throughout mm-hmm. the whole scriptures is that faith is the fuel that not only gets us moving, towards this new life and redemption and hope and freedom and all these things. But it's the same fuel that keeps those propelling forward. It's coming back Mm. to this idea when faith, you know, again, Mm -hmm. moves back. What is God's part in this and what is ours? And so when you think about actionable steps, what does that mean? Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, like this week, this week. Yeah, exactly. Talk to those who are married and those who have families. How are we going to cultivate hope this week? So, you know, First and foremost, like if you're looking that there's let's let's just take the imagery like there is some there's tension going on there's disagreement relationships you're not mm-hmm. sure you feel hopeless because you're you think it's done right then it's like right. well the first and foremost is you you need to you need to look at your action responsibility you can't control the other person's actions right mm-hmm. and so you need to say what can I do what are the actions mm-hmm. I can do how can I with this supernatural love love this person. Who do I need for support? You know, who are the people in our lives that we can reach out to? How do I, and I mean, we, we underestimate the power of this next one. How can I pray for my spouse? Mm-hmm. Right? Because when you start seeing the lens through, through God's eyes for this person or what they need, and you selfishly are thinking that the person praying, pray for your enemies, because at this point, this person feels like an enemy, (laughs) right? Like two things are going to happen. This person's heart's going to change or your heart's going to change and hopefully both, right? right? Like this power of going, Mm -hmm. are you going to abandon yourself on your knees to Jesus? And and ultimately, are you going to fight for your marriage? Are you going to say that there's an option Mm -hmm. out and, 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 and don't give up, right? I mean, you can't, mm-hmm. the difficulty in these type of situations is you cannot dictate control what the other person is, but you yeah. you have a choice mm-hmm. in what you want to see. So in actualizing that hope, all right, God, if this marriage is going to work, I need you. Right. But what are the things that I am mm-hmm. called to do? I mean, and like I said, is that going to counseling? Is that... Is that getting into a group to help you in that? What are the areas you do? How am I praying for that a person? Mm-hmm. You know, there's this mm-hmm. amazing passage that Paul says, you know, to to these 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 wives who are are believing their husbands are not, and that their actions of witness could be the thing that wins them over. Like the same love that says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that it transforms communities in the world. It's the same mm-hmm. love that if it's poured out to you could heal your relationship. And I want to be really clear. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to live out the consequences of somebody else's actions. And so this is messy and hard and work. And this isn't, mm-hmm. this, this is not a, this is, you know, if I'm going to quote another book, this isn't a silver bullet. <laughs> this is not mm-hmm. a, this is not a light <laughs> switch you can flick on. This yeah. takes time and this takes tenacity, but are you willing to fight yeah. for your relationship? And what are the things in front of you that, you know, you're putting off and you need to do? And is it, you know, or let's just boil it down to the simplest thing, because I could have said all that stuff. And this is this circular 
you know, communication going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ask yourself today and pray to God, what's one thing I can do today? Hmm. Yeah. Because I could, I, we could sit here and start going, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? But right. if, G- if Jesus's voice, learning to hear that would be so much more mm-hmm. powerful than, you know, make your husband yeah. his favorite. T- I mean, I mean, that might be it. That might yeah. be, the, that might be the, that might <laughs> yeah. be the start and you need to do. And that's the solving of yeah. all issues. Yeah. Well, right? there's right. the love dare. Yeah. Maybe go the hope dare. <laughs> just give it, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Throwing it out there. Well, Drake, you know, I love that. I love that because I think that brings us, you know, to the start of our episode where you were giving us this image of hope being an anchor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right not a helicopter and as we end this episode ending on that note and saying yeah how do we cultivate hope actualize hope in our marriage in our children in our family going and 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 just recapping your advice right going to the anchor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. going to jesus and just asking him right at uh, like there's just too many of us right who just underestimate the power of just asking jesus right. a question well and let, yeah. let me let me yeah. yeah and let me give the listeners hope in this because i mean obviously didn't talk about kids but i think inner interpersonally it is this it is these relationships and how are we praying for each other and how are we mm-hmm. seeing the other and what can we and what can we control and what we can't right because as parents yeah. we want what's best for our kids and if they're not going down the path we want i mean that is soul right. crushing yeah right but you know, there is a certain amount of what I can and can't do. But let me say this, mm-hmm. you know, and I say this in the book um, and I say, you know, how do I know hope is real? How do I know that this works? If you want to put it that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is because, and I share this in the book, but I mean, like I'm from a broken family. I mean, that is a lot of what stirred up all of this stuff and got all this baggage. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I owned, I don't blame my parents, but I mean, like, could spend the next 20 minutes just giving the laundry list of of dysfunction <laughs> that was in our family mm-hmm. that just seemed like i mean we we should have been you know on like a reality tv show right like it was just mm-hmm. it was just yeah. messed up right and they said the things and the brokenness and the dealings of these things and how we mm-hmm. all as kids and and parents dealt with that stuff but because of this journey and because of um and you know that i was willing to go into that anchor and lean into that that not only found freedom and healing for me, but now, you know, my whole family has reconciled and come back to faith. And they in mm. turn now are doing those things in their families and in their neighborhoods, mm. you know, oh. where it's just like, and it was just yeah. even this last summer where even just sitting, yeah. you know, and that's, I think, providentially why the books took so long to write. Cause sitting my, me and my sister, sitting with my dad who had an affair and, and he had his own stuff and all that bag and everything mm-hmm. getting to sit and, and, and bring him back to faith and have been leading yeah. him through mm-hmm. soul care and mm-hmm. seeing healing and, and, yeah. and, and it's just, and then being able to reconcile mm-hmm. and my parents, you know, being able to now mm-hmm. talk about their kids and their grandkids, you know, um, knowing that they're, yeah, they're not, they're not in a relationship, but they're able right. to reconcile through the divine supernatural healing of love, faith, and hope, this, Mm. if you lean into what Jesus is asking you to do and do the hard work. And the hard part is when you're in the middle of the storm, you don't Mm. know where the shore is until you get there. And that's where that trust of going, continue the straight and narrow, stay on path to where Jesus is leading you because he is the good shepherd. He is with goodness abounding and faithful love. That's what's Mm -hmm. hard is that you can't see the shoreline, but you have to trust his love mm-hmm. and his guidance of faith and hope that he's leading you to where you will grow, but also to release that yeah. burden to find hope and freedom. That's yeah, that's the that's difficult awesome. part of this wow. hope message is yeah. you, can't, there, you, you can't look for the horizons of the circumstances to give you that. You have to look to a more divine source. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, wow. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Drake, for sharing that story, for ending this episode on finding hope in the hard seasons of life with such a hope-filled, hopeful story. Drake, um, where can people find more about you, connect with you, and pick up a copy of your book, Addicted to Hope? Yeah, you can you can find the book on Amazon. Um, the easiest, most of my social tags are just Drake Farmer, um, and there's my the 
my, you know, you can find some of that information at dragfarmer.com, be able to find the book and the social tags there. So that'd be the easiest place to go. Um, and I mean, I have my emails in the book and, and things like that as, as people are interacting, I'd love to hear their stories and how Jesus mm-hmm. is working in their life in Tuto. So awesome. reach out for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Drake, for being with us on today's episode. Thank you. You know, as I reflect on how Drake finished this interview, Mm -hmm. I love how he finished with a story of hope. Right. And I think when we think about how we can find hope in the hard seasons of life, yes, we need to go to Jesus, who's the anchor. But sharing stories, sharing Mm hope-filled, hopeful stories, I think that's just one of those ways that we can feel and experience and, and, and be reminded of past experiences where we felt hope mm-hmm. and lean on and borrow someone else's hope as well. Completely. And I think that's partly why Jesus spoke in parables, mm. right? Because it's he's telling stories and there is a, just a, a connection that we have already, that we have a, a narrative that we're able to share with one another. And I think the power of vulnerability to be able to share, even, you know, we're talking about the hard times with your spouse. Mm. You can find moments, you can find opportunities to be able to share and connect on an emotional level, not just on a head level, emotional, like this day has has been hard because yeah. or I'm finding I'm reacting to what you're saying because of something that has happened in my past yeah. and carving out time to be able to share one with one another I think is really powerful. Yeah. Well, all right. So definitely go to inbetween.org slash episode one fifty nine. When you go there, you'll find the links and the show notes to everything that we've talked about. And you'll also find discussion questions. That's something new that we've started mm-hmm. where we want to equip you with the tools to process this. Right. But you know, not process this alone, but process this together with your spouse or with a friend. Mm-hmm. And that's what those discussion questions are for. So once again, that's inbetween.org slash episode 159. Thanks again for listening in, and we'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.